we're back. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to Hawk Sense, the last episode of 2021. I am your host, Alex Nicolau, and in this week's episode, everybody, we will be going out with a bang because we will be reviewing the highly anticipated, absolutely stunning Spider-Man No Way Home. That's right, guys. Spider-Man No Way Home is finally here, but like I just said, this episode will be half-spoiler-free for those who have not seen the movie yet. And if you are one of those people who haven't seen Spider-Man yet, what are you doing that's so important that you can't go see this movie right now? It will literally be the best three hours you will ever spend in a movie theater, and it'll be the best $11 you will ever spend. But then the second half of the podcast will be some spoilers, and we'll talk about the future of Spider-Man as well. But as I mentioned before, this is the last episode of 2021, and I just wanted to say thank you to each and every one of you guys who have listened to the podcast. It really means the world, and I absolutely love doing this, so I I hope to continue this further into 2022. I'll put a little teaser out when I'm coming back, because I don't know when I'm coming back. It might be late January or even early February, because we have so much planned for Red Hawk Media, and now that I'm the program director, I have to be in charge of a lot of things so go follow our instagram page at redhawk.media because it won't just be superhero content if you guys are interested in more entertaining things sport things all that kind of stuff uh but without further ado guys let's get into it let's go into my spoiler free review of spider-man no way home it is gonna be so tough to do a spoiler free review on this movie when Every single thing in this movie is a spoiler because it's so great, guys. But, guys, this movie was absolutely fantastic. Sony and Disney outdid themselves. Like, this movie outshines both Homecoming and Far From Home, which are still amazing Spider-Man movies. But this movie really does outshine both of them because Tom Holland's performance is just absolutely phenomenal and probably will be his greatest performance of Spider-Man of all time. Even the supporting actors like Zendaya, Marissa Tomei, Jacob Badalow, and John Favreau absolutely nailed it. Their characters didn't feel like they were too much, like maybe in Far From Home where like Betty Brant, Ned, you know, uh, Brad, they all felt like maybe too much. In this movie, it was so perfect, so great, and I, I, I don't even get me started on Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin. I don't know what to say without spoiling it, but we established that my favorite supervillain of all time is the Green Goblin, like my first podcast. But guys, I don't I don't know what to say without spoiling, but he was absolutely insane. Willem Dafoe absolutely killed it as the Green Goblin once again, maybe even surpassing his insanity level that he was in Spider-Man 1. But guys, he absolutely nailed it. He delivered. And I'm so proud of Willem Dafoe because he's 66 years old, dude. And he said he would only return to the character if he can do all of his own stunts. So to see him deliver on his performance so greatly, dude, was just absolutely stunning. And I absolutely loved every second of Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin in this movie. I'm going to stop talking about actors after Alfred Molina and Jamie Foxx as to not spoil anything. But I loved seeing Alfred Molina as Doc Ock again. It was so great. And it was just so, like, nostalgic. And the same thing for Jamie Foxx. They were just such great acting in this movie. And I love how they wanted to return these characters. Because even for Jamie Foxx, you know, not a lot of people liked his performance as Electro in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. I personally don't hate The Amazing Spider-Man 2, but that's for another time. But I have mad respect for Jamie because he returned to a character that a lot of people hated and, like, were scolding him for doing and I, I loved how he returned with such confidence and he absolutely killed his rendition of Electro. But this movie has literally everything you want from a Spider-Man movie. It has some comedy, it has some heart, it has some trouble. 
It has so much great action scenes. It has a lot of devastating scenes, but it also has some madness, dude. And it's absolutely insane. And honestly, guys, I do not know what to say without spoiling it. So I think that's got to end off with my spoiler-free review. Because if you guys haven't seen the movie... What are you doing? It's so hard for me not to talk about spoilers when they are everything in this movie is a spoiler. So to end off my spoiler-free review, Spider-Man No Way Home is definitely one of the best superhero movies we have ever gotten. And in my opinion, it blows out every MCU movie that we've ever gotten. It has a great story acted out by amazing actors, and Tom Holland himself delivers his greatest performance of Spider-Man and Peter Parker yet. It has heart, comedy, devastating scenes, nostalgia, and absolutely brutal and outstanding action. It is the perfect Spider-Man movie. So for my official, unofficial, spoiler-free review of Spider-Man No Way Home, I am giving it 10 out of 10. Go see this movie. It is an absolute must-see. Doesn't matter if you're not even a superhero movie fan. It is such a great film. But this is it, guys. If you have not seen Spider-Man No Way Home yet, please... Turn this off right now, go see the movie, and then come back later because you will want to hear what we're going to be talking about. So three, two, come on, go, go, one. Guys, you know what we got to talk about first, right? I just got to mention it first, and I just got to rub it into everybody's faces who said they weren't going to be in it because Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield came back. For Spider-Man No Way Home. And they absolutely nailed it. But before we t- but before we talk about all of that. Let's talk about the movie itself. Because it was just absolutely amazing. I felt like this was such more of like a Spider-Man type movie. Because we were really experiencing the struggles Peter Parker goes through as Spider-Man. And just seeing Tom Holland's Peter Parker so selfless. And trying to fix everything. Not for himself. But for... MJ, Ned, May, and Happy, and then trying to cure all the villains and clean up Toby and Andrew's mess. Like, it was just so refreshing to see Tom Holland's Spider-Man taking up all that responsibility. Then let's talk about the villains, starting with Doc Ock, that bridge scene, man. We got so many promos for that bridge scene that we were so tired of seeing it, but when we actually saw the bridge scene in person and we heard, hello, Peter, it was just absolutely insane. I remember the audience going absolutely crazy, and Doc Ock was so awesome to see because i really do love the character of doc ock and alfred molina is such a great actor to play that character and i loved how he was taken right from the moment he died in spider-man 2 and he didn't really know he didn't really know what was going on he kind of had like a a memory block of what actually happened and how he sacrificed himself to save new york city at the end of spider-man 2 so when he came through talking to tom holland spider-man he was like where's my machine what'd you do with my machine you know the power of the sun in the palm of my hands and then tom holland's peter parker's like like, dude, what are you talking about? It was also just awesome to see Doc Ock versus the Iron Spider suit because it just made for a great action sequence. But then the bridge scene in general is just absolutely, like, amazing because even though Peter was fighting Doc Ock and had no idea who he was and what was going on, his main priority was to make sure that the MIT admissions lady was safe so that she could make her flight. And that's like a perfect example of the selfless Peter Parker that we know and that Mysterio framed him not to be. Next, let's talk about the lizard since he was the second villain to show up. I was really surprised that it was actually Reese Iffins because I did I really thought he wasn't going to be in this movie. I really did like the redesign as well. They gave him a little bit more scales on his head and a little bit of a darker green, which is really cool. But I thought he was a good addition to the team, and I, I don't know, man. It was, it was surprising, but I really enjoyed it. 
Let's talk about Sandman next, and surprisingly enough, Thomas Hayden Church did reprise his role, but he was more of a monster sand form, he was just all sand. I think it was a great addition as well, I kind of liked the redesign of just the sand, but I loved his like, I just want to get out of here mentality. But one thing a lot of people have been noticing, and I noticed it too, and I'm not too upset about it, I kind of get it, but they reused a bunch of old like footage from Spider-Man 3 and The Amazing Spider-Man of Reese and Thomas Hayden Church because, I mean, they could have digitally de-aged them, but they might have run out of time and money or something, so I can't blame them for that. It was very, very, like, two to five second, like, clips, so I can't be too mad about it. It wasn't too noticeable, but someone like me who has watched every Spider-Man movie more than a hundred times would notice it, but honestly, I didn't really care. Then we meet Jamie Foxx's Electro, which at the start, he was a little bit blue until they pulled the plug, and then they started playing the Electro theme song, which was like, oh my god, are you kidding me? Because I actually really do love that score for that character. But he was blue. He was blue for that split moment during that fight before they pulled the plug. But I kind of do like how they reamped the character and just kind of, like, you know, remade the character of Max Dillon because... Even in the comics, he's not as nerdy and weird like he was in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. He was never like that. So for like the rebranding, I guess you can call it, for this character, it was way better than what we saw in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And I think Jamie Foxx absolutely killed it. And like I said in my spoiler-free review in the beginning, I have absolute mad respect for him to return to this character and then absolutely nail it a second time. I also love the character's like redeeming mentality because now that he got his body back, He's in this new world with insane amounts of power. Why would he want to take that away? Then our last villain, and arguably one of the greatest MCU villains in my opinion, Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin. It was absolutely nuts to see Willem Dafoe back as Goblin, especially for how he killed it 20 years later after his performance in Spider-Man 1. And I just loved how they did the Goblin hiding behind Norman's eyes because that is such a Goblin thing to do, absorbing information while putting on this friendly and scared face. Becoming all buddy-buddy with Peter Parker and Aunt May, you know, being like, there's someone else, there's someone else, I don't like it when I'm him, and then, you know, being like, if you ever need a job in an alternate universe and stuff like that, and then he just turns on him and just absolutely insane action scenes with the Green Goblin. It's such, it's, it's, it, like, Willem Dafoe, man, absolutely kills it. The fight scenes were just absolutely beautiful. I know I talked about the one of Doc Ock and Spider-Man on the bridge, but we got to talk about the Doctor Strange and Spider-Man one in the mirror dimension. And remember when he uh, he uh, kicked him out of his astral form? And oh my god, he was able to use his body still because of his spider sense. You could see like the classic uh, like cartoon spider senses around his head. And then he was able to swim back into his body and he was able to move his body while in astral dimension. Then they had that huge fight in the mirror dimension, which was absolutely stunning and gorgeous. Dude, I absolutely love that. And then Spider-Man won because of his brain and not his brawn. Then we have the entire apartment scene. Oh my God, the way they use Spider-Sense when Peter was like looking around like, what's going on? Who is it? What's going on? And then he webs Norman to the, uh, what is it? The, the, the robot that Iron Man used. And, like, he was like, that's some skill, that sense you got. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then everything just hits the fan, dude. Electro is, like, shocking Doc Ock. Sandman gets out of there. The lizard busts out of the feast thing. And they all just escape. And then they have that giant battle with the Green Goblin and Spider-Man. Oh, my God. That combat was absolutely insane. 
And then right after that, we have one of the saddest scenes in MCU history. And I'm going to I'm gonna start crying thinking about it. I, I honestly didn't love Marissa Tomei's Aunt May in the beginning. I was like, she should be a little bit older. I want to see more Uncle Ben. But, dude, oh, my God. I was sobbing in the theater when I saw her die. Like, I loved how they did it. She was like, it's just me and you. Just breathe. It's okay. And she was like, I just need to take a breath. And then, you know, she says, not, not your problem. And then she says, oh, my God, with great power, there must also come great responsibility. And the crowd went nuts in my theater. But, like, oh, my God. It was such a sad death. And, I, I like, when Peter just had to leave her and he was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It was just so sad. And I, I still get chills about that scene because it's such a good scene. And then you have Happy outside screaming, Peter, get out of there. Peter, get out of there. Like, oh, my God, dude, my heart is, like, breaking right now. Then right after that scene, we have Ned and MJ in Ned's house. And then history was made. We finally get the reintroduction of Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. Then a few moments after, the reintroduction of Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. Definitely the greatest theater reaction of all time. Oh my god, everybody was screaming at the top of their lungs, including me. And I lost my voice that night because I was screaming like, Yeah! Let's go! And it was just absolutely insane. And if I'm being honest, I really think they did them justice. Because they weren't in the movie way too much where they felt like main characters. But it was so fulfilling because we know where they came from. You know, we know their stories. So they added them at like a perfect time. They added them so perfectly so when, you know, when they were brought in, we knew where they came from. We know their stories because we've seen the movies. So it, it just felt so right where they came. And then when, when they met Tom Holland's Spider-Man, it was just so like emotional because, you know, when Tom says... Please don't say I know what you're going through. They know exactly what he's going through. Then the chills run up and down my spine when Tom Holland says, she said, with great power. And then Tobey Maguire finishes, comes great responsibility. And he goes, how did you know that? And then Andrew Garfield goes, Uncle Ben said it. And then Tobey goes, the day he died. Oh my God, I was hoping to hear a little bit more about the MCU Uncle Ben, that's the one thing I think they could have capitalized on. Because even though Aunt May was kind of like the Uncle Ben of our MCU now, I still would have liked to know if, you know, he had an Uncle Ben at one point. I loved the dynamic between all of them because even though they are all Peter Parker and Spider-Man, they all have different, like, kind of personalities and different upbringings. Tom Holland was, you know, born in this MCU, so he was, like, raised in this universe knowing there's like superheroes and then he actually interacts with these superheroes unlike you know toby Maguire and andrew garfield where they're the only superhero in their universe and even andrew garfield and toby Maguire are very different spider-man toby Maguire grew up with you know his aunt and uncle which are much older than you know any other aunt and uncle that we saw in the amazing series or even the mcu he has his best friend harry osborne by his side and then he's in love with the girl next door mary jane watson then andrew garfield who grew up with his like mid-50s aunt and uncle and then you know we see his parents you know we see that entire story in his series but then there's no mary jane there's no harry osborne until the second movie and he's in love with gwen stacy so even though they're all the same peter parker they all have different you know backgrounds so that made for such a unique dynamic because uh, when Andrew Garfield was saying, I lost Gwen, he was like, you know, my MJ. And just that entire school lab scene where they're cooking up cures for the villains was just absolutely awesome. And I loved how Tobey Maguire Spider-Man was thinking about a cure 
even after Norman Osborn died. He's been thinking about it for like 20 years of a cure to cure Norman Osborn, which was absolutely awesome. And I loved, I loved that. And I loved how Andrew Garfield was being so cocky. And he was like, yeah, I've already cured Connors before, so no biggie. And then, like, um, <laughs> their personalities working together was so awesome because um, I loved every single Spider-Man that we've seen and that we've gotten. And uh, it was just awesome to see. And I'm still so, like, surprised and shocked and grateful to, like, to know that they were able to do this. One last thing we're going to talk about the plot is the final battle scene. Oh my gosh, dude, on the new Statue of Liberty. I love how Tom Holland said where second chances are born because, you know, what happened in the Falcon Winter Soldier because John Walker murdered someone as Captain America and then the Falcon was reborn as Captain America. That was, that was a good little MCU line there. The banter and the fighting between all the Spider-Men with their respected villains. Oh my gosh. When uh, Andrew Garfield was talking to Electro, like, hey, Max, I missed you. Like, oh my gosh. And then Toby was talking to Flint. And then, uh, you know, the lizard was talking to Andrew. It was just such a unique dynamic. And it was it was refreshing to see all their villains and then their respected Spider-Mens, you know, interacting again. Then that final battle scene between Tom Holland and Willem Dafoe. Oh my gosh, the action was absolutely insane. I love the physical combat. It was like it was the best we've ever seen. We haven't seen Spider-Man fight like that in the MCU. So even in the other movies, nothing was as, you know, like violent as that. So it was absolutely insane to see, especially for Tom Holland, you know, unmasked, just beating the living like, oh my God, out of Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin was absolutely insane. And then he was about to kill them. Then Toby's Spider-Man stepped in. Which was so fitting, you know, and then he got shanked in the back. I was like, no, in the theater, dude. I thought he was going to die, but uh, thankfully he didn't die and he returned to his universe. But that movie, guys, was absolutely insane. Oh, one thing we got to talk about. How did I forget this? When Zendaya's MJ falls and then Tom Holland gets sideswiped by the Green Goblin, then you see Andrew saying, no. Then he just runs and jumps off the building and catches Zendaya's MJ and then he goes are you okay and she goes yeah are you okay and he's crying he's like yeah <sighs> my eyes dude I couldn't even see there were so many tears rolling down my face dude because that was one of my favorite moments in the amazing spider-man 2 because I thought it was a huge risk and it worked to kill Gwen Stacy like that because it was very comic accurate and it just felt so right in it. And even though it was kind of left on a cliffhanger, how does he feel after that? Because the Amazing Spider-Man 3 never happened. We got to see what happened. And it was absolutely magical. And I would love to see Andrew Garfield slap on the spandex once again. Then the last thing we're going to talk about is when Tom Holland's Spider-Man tells Doctor Strange to make everybody forget about Peter Parker, which was absolutely so selfless and so insane, and it, sent, and it sends everybody back to the universe, but nobody ever remembers him. Nobody remembers him. Nobody knows who he is, so he has to reintroduce himself to literally everybody that he's already met before. Then when Tom Holland, Spider-Man, went into the coffee shop, got a coffee, and decided not to tell MJ and Ned who he was, because they would ruin their lives further, and their lives were just so going so well, and that was so, like, selfless of that Peter Parker, and it was something that we needed to see in his character. Then finally, he gets his own apartment. This is the best, this is one of my parts, I was like, no way! He makes his own red and blue suit, which would look absolutely insane. Oh my god, I cannot wait to see more of that suit. And he is now 
our friendly neighborhood, College Spider-Man, and I cannot wait for his next trilogy. Then we have the post credit scene of Tom Hardy's Venom, which was a little bit underwhelming, but like I said in the last podcast, or whenever we talked about uh, what I thought the post credit scene was, I think it was maybe two podcasts ago, um, I knew Tom Hardy's Venom was going to be in it. I thought it was going to be the full Venom symbiote that came out and was left in there and Tom Hardy was left, but it was just a little bit, so we might see a different version of Venom inside the MCU. But here is what I think is going to happen with the future of the MCU Spider-Man. I personally do not want to see a different version of Venom inside the MCU. I think Tom Hardy's Venom is so great, and I would hate to see like a re-endition with Harry Osborn's Venom. I think they should keep Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock Venom, but bring him back. But here's what I think should happen in Spider-Man 4. But first, I do want to talk about what Tom Holland's been saying. He says he doesn't know if the future Spider-Man projects will include him. He says he's okay if that doesn't happen. It's 100% that he's going to be in these next Spider-Man projects. He has... Like a whole trilogy coming up, I believe, and it's going to take place inside the MCU. So I do think that the next villain in Spider-Man 4 is going to be Kraven the Hunter. And let me tell you what's going to happen. So I think this uh, story is going to be very loosely based on Kraven's last hunt, where Kraven uh, the Hunter kills Spider-Man and uh, the black suit saves him. But uh, I don't think he's going to die. But I do think, you know, we're going to see a Peter Parker doing college things, you know, fighting, uh, you know, random thugs in the street like, you know, Spider-Man does. Then he's going to come in contact with Kraven the Hunter, and then Kraven is absolutely going to obliterate Spider-Man close to death. And that's when Spider-Man comes in contact with the Venom symbiote. Putting it on to defeat Kraven the Hunter, he's going to keep the suit from the middle of Spider-Man 4 to the middle of Spider-Man 5, where there would be a huge Venom and Spider-Man fight. Obviously, that's not confirmed whatsoever. That's just what I think should happen in the next coming movies. But let me know what you guys think, guys. I think we about covered everything. But let me give you guys my unofficial, official spoiler review for Spider-Man No Way Home, guys. This movie was absolutely insane. It was gorgeous. It was beautiful. Uh, you know, those are two of the same words, if I'm being honest. Uh, it was just absolutely spectacular and amazing, and I'm going to give this an 11 out of 10. It's definitely one of the best Spider-Man movies we've ever gotten, and in my opinion, I think it's the best MCU movie we've ever gotten, and I'm not just saying that because it's Spider-Man, but I also am just saying that because it's Spider-Man. But that about covers it for this year's episode, guys. I will be returning next year sometime, maybe late January, early February. I will release a teaser for you guys uh, when we come back. But I want to thank every single one of you guys for actually listening to the podcast. It really means a lot to me. And if you guys have any questions about Red Hawk Media and maybe want to get involved, you can contact the president, Cicely Porter, at ciporter at iu.edu, or the program director, me, Alex Nicolau, at alexnico at iu.edu. Once again, thank you all so much for listening. I can't wait to see you guys next year, and hopefully next year we get a lot more superhero content. Maybe we get a confirmation of a new Spider-Man trilogy. We'll talk about it all next year. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll see you guys later. Bye.